Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today, my guest for the Happy Hour is David Taylor. David has a new book out called A Body of Praise, Understanding the Role of Our Physical Bodies in Worship. David came on the happy hour last December, and he talked to us all about Advent. And I remember when he was here that I thought, I just want to sit and listen and learn from you forever and ever. And I felt that way again on this show as well. On the show today, David talks about what he actually means about our body of praise. And we're talking about what is our body in corporate worship. We talk about culture influencing our body within worship. David says in his book that our physical bodies are not separate or secondary to the divine image that we bear as human beings. They are fundamental to the Imago Dei. We talk about that today. I really appreciate this conversation because so many of us have never stopped to ask the question, do our physical bodies really matter in corporate worship? We would think to ourselves, aren't our souls and maybe even our hearts the most important part of us? We might ask, aren't our bodies at best negligible to worship and at worst a hindrance? And the answer to this last question is categorically no, David says, as Christians have attested throughout the history and across the global church. The purpose of the body instead is to offer to God in worship what only it can offer and what must be offered to God. David walks us through that in this conversation and even deeper in his book, A Body of Praise, which I highly recommend if you're interested in this. Of course, he draws on the wisdom of the Bible and church history and theology, and he takes advantage of the unique insights of the arts and sciences and ethics and spiritual formation. David is a respected theologian and a pastor, and he tells us in this book and in this conversation today that there is something for our physical bodies to do that decisively forms Christ-likeness in us within the context of corporate worship. You guys sit back, relax. Here is my conversation with Dr. David Taylor. David, welcome back to the happy hour. Thank you. Listen, if you guys are not watching on YouTube, you need to go watch on YouTube because when you walked in, I said, I don't know that I've ever hugged a man of the cloth. Is that what, is that? Yes, man, that would be. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 man, a man, but like, I, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but like, right. is, is a man of the cloth a pastor? Or is it a certain denomination pastor? No, it would be yeah, it would be like the euphemism or nickname for like, um, yeah, like Episcopal or Catholic priests. You know, sometimes they show a up. A priest. The, yeah, a priest. Which my friend, Lindsay, has tried to explain to me the difference between a pastor and a priest. And I'm, and I'm because I was going to yeah. say I'm married to a, a pastor. Of course. And I hug yeah. him every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but cool. I don't think he's a man. Then he wouldn't be called a man of the cloth. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. It's, it's just kind of like a nickname kind of thing. Um, and... and yeah, the priest pastor. I mean, I am a pastor. Fundamentally, we are pastors. Priest is just, um, yeah, just a term that has been used historically to describe Roman Catholic priests and then by association Anglicans mm-hmm. or Eastern Orthodox. But 
people shouldn't think it's more fancy than being a pastor. Well, I'm going to go home and hug my man at the cloth today. <laughs> you should, please. I am, I am. Um, <laughs> I'm really happy that you're here, you're back. We had you come on in the fall, and um, I, I, I want to tell you this. I interviewed Rebecca McLaughlin earlier this week. and oh, okay. uh-huh, And you, you and her are in like this kind of like same lane to me. You're both super smart. Well. <laughs> And usually super smart people um, intimidate me a little bit, mm. often. Mm. Um, but when I can have conversations that I value with super smart people and I feel like they, like, that I'm a part of the conversation, I mean, I'm, I'm not like another professor. Mm-hmm. I'm not another, you know, mm. academic sure. that you're having a conversation right. with. I clearly understand that. But I value it so much. And oh, so okay. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so you happy. and Rebecca in one week. This is I'm living my dream life. That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Well, you're back on. We had you in um, December and you talked all about Advent, mm-hmm. which I got to thinking. I was thinking about talking to you yesterday. And when we're recording this, we're smack dab in the middle of um, Lent moving up to, to Easter. And I don't want to throw you for a loop here. Mm. But in what? Two weeks after Easter? Yeah. Where like are we in our church calendar with we're that? We're still in Easter. Still in Easter. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does that look like? It's 50 days. Okay. Uh, and, and then Pentecost comes. Then, you know, mm-hmm. then the fire falls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously we could talk about that at great length. The thing that's a little bit of a bummer, I think, is that, you know, Advent has this, you know, like uh, prescribed space. Right. It's, like, it's four weeks and then we get to Christmas and then Lent has this long, like, rail line that you're doing a I don't know, maybe you're doing stuff, but you're doing stuff from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. And then, unfortunately, Easter doesn't have anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, with Lent, you have the Stations of the Cross, Mm -hmm. or you have Monday, Thursday, which is, like, foot washing, Mm -hmm. you know, commemoration. Um, But there's nothing beyond Sunday that helps people live into the resurrection. Yeah. And I think that's something I've I've been thinking about in Fader and I, my wife, I've been thinking, could we create resources for for families to help them practice resurrection, as, mm. as Eugene Peterson uh, described it? Because it's great, you know, Sunday, Easter Sunday to celebrate, but it's hard to live into the reality in like your normal life. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great if we had some kind of helps to say, this is what the resurrection of Jesus looks like, translated into home life, work life, public life, you know, so on and so forth. But well, yeah. we are we're all cheering for you and Phaedra to make that as well. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> we, we're, we're here for that. We're here for that. Um well I'm glad you're back in the studio and uh actually the day we're recording this, congratulations, because your new book comes out today. Thank you. So we're, we're recording it happy. on March twenty eighth, the day it comes <laughs> out. It's called A Body of Praise, Understanding the Role of Our Physical Bodies in Worship. Um congrats, congrats. I know releasing a book is always a big mm. ordeal. And mm-hmm. I love that. We thought we were going to have to reschedule just because circumstances in life. Right. And you actually were like, well, I want to be in person to record this because we're talking about the body. <laughs> I know. It just felt like it's not the end of the world. It's just be a funny little irony. If we were on Zoom. <laughs> if we were on Zoom. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm really glad that we get to do this because I can see you and <clears throat> sense you and um, and like – and not to sound weird, but like I can smell. Yeah, and all my senses are activated, and yeah. it just makes me feel like, oh, that's you. Yeah, which I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. When uh, I got this book and knew we were gonna talk about, first of all, the cover's amazing, and I'm mm. a big fan of awesome covers. So the cover's amazing. Oh, good, thank you. Um, but I, I want to just I'd love to hear why this book mm-hmm. because I got it a body of praise, understanding the roles of our f- physical bodies in worship, mm-hmm. and 
I go to a evangelical mm-hmm. used to be Southern Baptist, maybe it is, who knows? I don't want to talk about it. Uh church. <laughs> uh like I I'm trying to think of the words to describe my church. I mean, you know where I go to church, like non denom. That would be a better word, right. yeah. But like um the, the worship, like just trying to put a stage and I thought like, oh, okay, I'm going to understand this book. And the book was way more than I would have ever imagined in my mm. preconceived ideas about our body and worship. Mm. And so I would love to hear where did this concept or this idea even come from and why? Like why why does why did you want to write about it? What's the value in it? And we're going to get to a lot of value stuff in it. But sure. where did this come from? I, I think it probably comes from two places. The first is about 25 years ago I wrote <clears> – <throat> a thesis in seminary where I was trying to understand why it is that Jesus healed f- people's bodies. Okay. Like obviously let's, it's a good thing to get healed from blindness and deafness and lameness and so on and so forth. But I wanted to go a little bit further and say, like, is there something specific theologically going on when Jesus keeps healing people? And what I discovered, obviously nothing new to me, but I mean, it was new to me, but not new to other people who've been doing this kind of work, is that Jesus' healing is tapping or echoing kind of new creation language in Isaiah. So Isaiah 35 and 42, specifically, you have this language of gardens blossoming out of wildernesses, and then you also have in that same space the the blind seeing, the deaf hear, and the lame walk, and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And so <clears throat> it's not just that it's a bummer that you're um, bl- blind or deaf or lame or so and so forth or oppressed. It's that when Jesus heals, it's like this anticipation. It's like a foretaste of the new creation, the resurrection, when mm-hmm. all bodies will be mm-hmm. um, completely healed. And that was 25 years ago, and I just haven't been able to shake just how, f- how fascinated I was with Jesus's love and, and care for bodies. And he touches so many people's bodies and bodies that uh, uh, under the circumstances of the time would have been regarded as ritually impure. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you have leprosy or you have hemorrhaging, you can't go to the temple. Mm-hmm. You have to go through a series of you know, things to be able to, to approach. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind impurity is, is not like we hate you. It's that anything that somehow was a disfigurement of the wholeness of our bodies that God had meant for us originally um, must be addressed in a way that reckons with the seriousness of the disfiguring effects of sin in the world. And so the temple um, looks like Eden um, as a way to remind the people of God of God's intentions for the wholeness, Mm. for healing and health Mm -hmm. and vitality and flourishing of all of creation. But then Jesus, um, he just kind of does a little bit of an end run around, and this is the long and short of it. He's like, you don't have to go to the temple, Jerusalem temple. I am the temple. Mm -hmm. And so when you encounter me, you're you're going to encounter that life-giving power that will restore you Mm. to wholeness of body, wholeness to your community because you've been ostracized, Mm -hmm. wholeness to family. And that's just stuff, I just think that's so fascinating. And then realizing that a lot of the traditions that I, I was raised in, kind of non-denom worlds, I mean, the body was at best neutral. At worst, it was like to be tamed, tortured, or transcended. Mm. I thought, I just don't think any of that looks like 
anything that Jesus is on about. Mm. And so then I just, I, I kept writing in all my books about the body. And then one day I thought I should write a whole stinking book about the body. <laughs> and there you go. And there it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Lots, of, lots of years put in Yeah. Years. Yeah. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You say this in the beginning of the book. You said the body that we bring to corporate worship is not a problem to be solved, requiring the powers of the soul to be put in its place. Neither is the body's purpose to get out of the way mm. so that the heart and mind can get on with the job of properly praising God. The purpose of the body is to offer to God what only it can offer, what must be offered to God. The body on this thinking offers itself as an agent of good in the formation of Christ-likeness in worship. It is not by its own power alone, but by the power of the Spirit who enables our bodies to become tabernacles for God's presence. Mm. And so I think as I dive into this, I want to first set the stage for people listening, a body of praise, understanding the role of our physical bodies in worship. Mm. A lot of people cult culturally would be like, is, you mean Sunday mornings? Sure, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, can yeah. you set the, can you give some definitions for us and set the stage for what you mean when you say that? Yeah. So yeah, but, uh, well, the like the subtitle, uh, worship, I mean mainly corporate worship because mm -hmm. we can worship anywhere, retreats, right. small groups, you know, conferences, summer outings and stuff like that. I mean, corporate worship, like, you know, the Sunday gathering yeah. usually. Um, and when I'm talking about the physical body, I'm, I'm talking about two things. Uh, on the one hand, I'm talking about gestures, postures, and movements. Mm -hmm. So um, standing, sitting, kneeling, prostrating, 
um, entering and exiting a space, how we sit in the space, our seating arrangement. Mm -hmm. Am I looking at the back of your head? Are we seated in a semicircle? Mm -hmm. Are we facing each other? Is it bright? Is it dark? Is mm -hmm. it dim? Uh, who's on the stage? Who's not on the stage? What bodies are visible? What bodies are invisible? Mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, I'm also talking about our senses. Mm -hmm. What we see and don't see. What we hear and don't hear. What we smell, taste, and touch. Mm -hmm. And all of that shapes us. All of that forms our, our lives. Uh, what we think is normal, what we think is good, what we think is true. Who is center stage? Who is off stage? Who is right of stage? Mm. Who gets to be in those places? Yeah, yeah. Um, when we sing together, um, do those who, that are mic'd up overwhelm or enhance mm -hmm. the rest of the people's mm -hmm. song? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is you can go on. You know, what's on yeah, the yeah. walls? Nothing mm -hmm. on the walls. Um, is it beautiful? You know, white or light gray? Mm -hmm. uh, is it an ugly, dirty brown? Are there windows? Are they stained? Are they not stained? Are they stained with images, stories? All these things are communicating what we think the physical material world should be on about. Uh, and so it's all talking. Your body is talking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is not a book full of David Taylor's ideas on, mm -mm. on what should it shouldn't be no, in those not. things. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, a lot of research is in this book. And so it makes me think like culturally if we've been corporately worshiping well i mean there's been corporate worship since beginning of whenever absolutely you know but if we think about like corporately worshiping christ yes. as the messiah mm -hmm. um as our savior as king of the world defeated sin and death as we think about that corporate worship culture has probably influenced that 100 percent, absolutely throughout the ages yeah. what are some of the ways that you see that our current culture is mm -hmm. influencing the way that we corporately worship now well, let me let me backtrack, and then I'll come to the to a contemporary. Um, in, in the first thousand years of the church, the predominant way that people gathered for worship was by standing. There were no chairs, there were no pews. We stood, and they stood mainly because they believed that the resurrection of Jesus deserved and demanded that we stand. Mm -hmm. Like He's rising, we're rising, mm -hmm. right? Um, the other thing that's interesting is. Um, uh, Side note, can you imagine if we ask our churches to stand the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking of myself. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, when do we get to sit down? I'm sorry. Right, I know, I know. It, um, it's a different world, right? Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is a lot of like the early centuries of the church's worship was uh, largely influenced by Romans, like Roman culture, mm -hmm. uh, the world of Rome. Um, and especially like elite Roman culture, and that elite Roman culture valued um, uh, uh, modest, dignified, reserved movements of the body. Okay, which is very different from like Jewish mm -hmm. worship, which is very expressive, very different from African or Latin American. So what you have in like the history of the Western Church is like to be truly reverent. You must be as still as possible, mm -hmm. as like elegant in your movements as mm -hmm. possible. That's culture. Uh, once the medieval era comes and you have sort of this thing called the feudal society, well, you have culture come in and play a, a, a determinative role uh, in a second way. And there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago called The Last Duel. It had uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jodie Comer, Adam Driver, and it was a story, I think it's like in the, I don't know, 13th century or 1300s of the last legal duel in Is France. this a true story? I saw it's it. It's a true story. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, a last like, hey, you have yeah, yeah. my honor, Let's you know, come. we're gonna, 
duel know, it out. Yeah, we're going to duel it out with yeah. swords and jousting and uh-huh. all that stuff. Um, we have this scene, and I think Ben Affleck plays the Lord, and I, I think it's Matt Damon's character, who's a, a knight, comes and pledges his loyalty, his fealty. And he gets on his knees, and he puts his hands in like the prayer hands, mm-hmm. right? If, if you're listening to it, just think of like yeah. the classic prayer hands, uh-huh. you know? Um, and then Ben Affleck's character puts his hands over uh, Matt Damon's hands uh-huh. as a way to say, um, Matt is pledging loyalty. I receive that loyalty. Mm-hmm. Now I am bound to you and you're bound to me. Wow. That is something happening in the culture at large. It seeps into the church's life. And then it's at that point that kneeling with hands folded becomes a dominant form of people's worship. So we went from a you know, thousand years ish yeah. standing now to kneeling like this, right? So we come to the, you know, the modern contemporary era <laughs> and we're still sort of being shaped. Yeah. And it's not terrible uh, because I think all worship should be like culturally contextual uh-huh. uh, in a way that like makes sense and is meaningful to people. So I don't have a problem with stages and auditoriums and sound and light. But I think we also want to ask ourselves, how is the gospel countercultural? Mm-hmm. Um, and in what ways is our culture undermining our ability to be God's body mm-hmm. <laughs> as bodies? Mm-hmm. Um so I, you know, um, I was a pastor in a non-denom church, moderate, charismatic, and it was wonderful in many ways. We had 20, 30 minutes of musical song. I loved it, but I, but silence was incredibly difficult to make space for. It was just noise and talking and musical mm-hmm. noise. And I wondered to myself, you know, with Habakkuk twenty two twenty, saying, "Let all the earth be silent," and how silence actually does appear quite often as a proper posture before God in prayer and worship? Are we missing something mm. in as much as we don't make time for silence? But on the other side, um, I have friends who are like Presbyterian, uh, Anglo-Catholic, High Church Lutheran, and the idea of shouting you know, to God in praise, which also shows up a lot in the Psalms, make a shout. Would be you know, unheard of. Would be unheard of. It, it would be disrespectful. Disrespectful. Yeah. It would be unreverential to wow. shout or to jump or uh-huh. do all those things. So I think one of the things I'm trying to do in this book is to help people read Scripture in fresh ways. And so mm-hmm. one of the arguments I make is if you take Scripture seriously, we're commanded to use our bodies in worship. We need to to use our bodies in worship because that's the way God made us mm-hmm. to give our whole body to mm-hmm. him. And then we get to. Mm-hmm. And the get to part would be like, I, I talk about um, David coming in, mm-hmm. King David coming into Jerusalem. That's not part of like official temple worship, you know. Mm-hmm. It's his spontaneous response mm-hmm. to the beauty and glory of God and the Ark of the Covenant coming back in. And he makes a fool of himself. Mm-hmm. And I think... I mean, there's something to be said for standing before your maker and nobody gets to be cool. Mm. Um, So what does it mean to be a fool for Jesus Mm. with our bodies? But also what does it mean to do things with our bodies regardless of whether we feel like it or Mm. our personalities? Mm. It, It cannot come down to our personality type or like my feelings. Like we clap, you know, to God, we raise, we bow. I mean, the Psalms is full of command yeah. language, which I think, and I'll, I'll end with this, all of that for me at root in, in, in the book is a way that discipleship happens. Discipleship is not about like, do I feel like it? It's like, I do these things because they're true. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, 
you push back on the like, I just wasn't raised this way. Like I, right. I, I don't do this. Right. And you I, would push back and say like, well, you just haven't been discipled in ex- what this could exactly. look like. Exactly. I would say fundamentally being like Jesus, following Jesus, uh, training t- to be, apprenticing mm-hmm. ourselves to Jesus, as Dallas Willard used to say, it really has very little to do with like our feelings governing. It's not that our feelings don't matter. Of course they matter. God is addressing us in our feelings. Our feelings are real. Um, and our feelings have a wonderful role to play, the mm-hmm. affections of the heart. But there is so much dying to self that has nothing to do with I feel it or mm-hmm. I don't feel it. I'm introverted. I'm yeah. extroverted. I'm from this culture or that yeah. culture. Um, you stand before your maker, there's a good chance your hands go up and your knees go down. Wow. Uh, because, I mean, that is the proper response. Yeah. When you are married or, you know, I guess, you know, have deep kindred friends, there are things you do for each other that mm. have little to do with How you feel. feelings. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when you ask for forgiveness, yeah. hopefully you do it with your body expressively open and vulnerable mm-hmm. rather than closed off. Right. Like your body is talking. Wow. And I think when we gather for worship, how can we offer our bodies um, as an expression of a sacrifice of praise, mm. to use, again, the language, or, yeah, the Romans 12, you yeah. know, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yeah. Um, those are just like good stuff, you know? You know, as you're talking, I'm like, it could be very easy for me to be like, oh, I am great at worshiping. Like, <laughs> I use my body. Like I, right. this is okay, David, let's talk to right. everybody else about right. this. Right. But I'll be real honest, when you talk about even the the quietness mm. and the contemplativeness mm-hmm. that you might experience, mm-hmm. that would make me super uncomfortable. Sure. And I would be like, what are we doing? What's right. next? Is anyone talking? Like, is right. everyone else know what's happening? Right. It would make me super uncomfortable. And so right. that's where I would be like, I don't like this. Right. Like my feeling is, right. this is not how I do things. Right. But where would the humility and exactly. come in for me to say, this is good and right and I can worship God right. in the silence. Right. So I'm just, I'm saying that because if yeah. anyone's like, oh, I got for this. Sure. Like this is this I got this all down. Yeah, I mean, I, what I say in the book at the end of the book is, you know, p- let's please not think of this as legalism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not meant to oppress us. You're not automatically going to get sanctified or you know look more like Jesus because you do this or you don't do that. But do see this as all part of the warp and woof of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, you take up your cross, you follow Him, you deny yourself. It's not fun, um, but sometimes it's incredibly life-giving and beautiful. And so what does it mean for me to offer my head, shoulders, knees, and toes Mm -hmm. to Jesus when we worship him, you know, faithfully? And again, I grew up in the world that was profoundly influenced by Dallas Theological Seminary, Mm -hmm. for for which I'm very grateful in many, many ways. but we did nothing with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Our bodies, their primary role is to get out of the way yeah. and to be as still as possible so the brain and the heart can do stuff. Which I think that if, if your people are just entering into this conversation and, and they've been in church, even if they are in an expressive church, when you said that in the book, I still went, oh, I don't think I've ever thought about this. Mm. Like I, I can, I can, I know I physically raise my arms in worship, but mm. I have never imagined it as my body mm. And, and saying out loud, it sounds so dumb. Like, I don't know why I didn't make the connection, but I right. feel my heart. Right. My mind is thinking. Right. But I l- had never made the connection. Like, my body is not something just to, like, this is not right. a mind and soul thing. Right. No. I mean, part of it comes down to, I think, two fundamental 
convictions in the Bible. One, you glorify God with your body. It's a command. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does it mean to glorify God with anything? You give it all. Well, that verse right? was only taught to me that you glorify with your body by not having sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was talking to somebody. Or not recently. drinking alcohol. Right, right, right. Yeah, alcohol or tattoos. Yeah, exactly. You know, all those kinds of things. <laughs> I am just one big non-glorifier <laughs> over here. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, right. And unfortunately, yeah, it just has that kind of negative freighted association. But it's so much more than thou shalt not. It's thou thou shalt get to. Mm. So all of creation, as Psalm 19 says, is praising, mm-hmm. glorifying. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean when you think about it for the sun to praise God, for the moon to praise God, for the stars to praise God, for the oceans, the valleys, the hills, the donkeys, the geese, the crickets? It means that they do everything that God made them to do. Mm. Like, like you like fulfill. They rise. The sun they rises. Rise, yes, and the moon reflects, and mm-hmm. the, the oceans do their tides mm-hmm. and their whatever. You know, um, and so with us, it means my mind is fully given to Christ. So I set my mind on things above. I set my heart on things above. I set my body on things above, mm. because my body is part of the creation. Yeah. It's not like a leftover or a bonus or an unfortunate thing that is necessarily going to get in the way. No, in fact, my body can lead my heart and mm. mind. When my heart is tired and frustrated and yeah. bored and angry and whatever else may be, my mind is distracted. Or like John Calvin once said, your mind can be a factory of idols. Mm-hmm. Like you're thinking all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your body says, okay, we lift our hands as a sacrifice of praise, lift up holy hands. And my heart's like, okay, I'll get there eventually. Yeah. And my mind's like, we'll be there just a sec. <laughs> you know, you talk about this a little bit in the book. And I, I again, all of these are new concepts for me just because I've never, ever put that much thought into my body other than we're going to get to in a minute with with um, thinking about when our body lets us down. And, right, and we'll exactly, talk about that in a minute. Right. But um, even the idea where you talk about sometimes like there's just mem- muscle memory. Yes. And so for me, I always am like, I really, really, really love worship. And mm-hmm. thank goodness I'm married to a, a mm-hmm. person who leads us in worship and is good at it. Um, but I never really associated my body, even with the fact that I always feel like something happens when I walk into the, we meet in a gym and mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the gym, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's just, but like my, something happens and I think it's because my body knows yes. I encounter God in here in a different way. Right. And I had never even thought about just the action of walking into our place of worship. Mm-hmm. Our body is experiencing something mm-hmm. that our brain and our heart is, and our yeah. body is as well with the senses. Yeah. It, it's just, it feels so elementary to me, but it's a concept that I don't think we think about a lot. No, unfortunately. I mean, thankfully, there are a lot of really amazing people that are writing and thinking and-, and, and Like and you, talking. David Taylor. <laughs> But it, um, like, here would be an analogy. How many of us, when we say to ourselves, gosh, I really want a break from the frenetic, stressful pace of my life, where do we go to get some kind of refreshing, restorative experience? Where do we go? That's not a rhetorical question. Where do we Church go? or Church. things that we love or... Uh-huh. When we want to get out of Dodge and find like, oh, ah, I'm, 
Me, where do I want to go? Uh-huh. I want to go to Palm Springs. There you go. <laughs> I want to go maybe down to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we have all these places, and so many of them are in nature. Oh right? in yeah, creation, the mountains. Right? Yes, the mountains or the beaches or whatever it is, or a forest. You know, we you know a I winery in Italy. Winery in Italy, right? And invariably, when we find ourselves in these places, we go. Ah, yes. But why do we go? Ah, it's because the physical place itself is like communicating to our bodies. Like our bodies are responding. We have Uh chemistry. We have you know neurons. We have you know muscles. Mm -hmm. You know that are Mm -hmm. responding to air quality, to like openness, the associations of places. You know, childhood places, right? It's it's the the memories and the feelings that we associated with a physical place, mm-hmm. right? I just took my daughter Blythe. It was eleven to to uh, North Carolina, doing something in Raleigh, but uh, we went up to Durham where she was born, and we went to the old house and the ponds, and it was just sort of a visceral memory for mm-hmm. her. she was two and a half when she left, but it was sort of this in her body had recorded, mm-hmm. you know, the memory of what she had experienced there. And that also, I think, you know, is what happens to us when we gather. And it's not just the physical building, it's the humans. Yeah. Right? Are there older people? Are there no older people? Mm-hmm. Are there younger people? Are there no younger? Are there people of color? No people of color. Are there people... So who is your body interacting, interacting with? Interacting with, you know, with other bodies. Do you have any physical exchanges? Like, are there laying of hands? Okay, you talk about this, David. Okay. You said... Right. You have a section called Touchy Feely Bodies. Yes, ma'am, I do. Where you go through all the ways that God the Father and God the Son used to touch in yes. creating and healing and yes. ministry. Amen. And so what does that mean for us in our corporate worship? Right. Because some people are like, wait, now you're asking me to hold hands. <laughs> now you're asking me to put my hand on someone right. when I pray for them. Like, what, right. what, what, what does that show us? And we look at our example of... And I won't give away things, but you talk about God creating and yeah. Jesus healing. Right. Yeah, I mean, I talk about how, I mean, some of the stuff, you know, was new for me as I, as I was researching and writing. It was a lot of fun to, to think about it. One of the things that was fun was to think about how the second person of the Trinity in Jesus occupied his mother's amniotic sac for nine months. Mm-hmm. That's like total touchy-feely. Yeah. Right? There's that's, no... That's the, like the most. That is the mostest of the most. Yeah. And I think there is something going on in the way that God has hardwired and designed us that we were made to be to need physical affection, physical embrace, like a total embracing because our for- most formative yeah. moments of entering into like being a sentient being, mm-hmm. um, a, a little human is being completely enveloped. Yeah. Like that's a lot of muscle memory, right? That's there. a lot, and, and we see statistics. I mean, we see scientific yes. studies about people who act or children yes. who do not have that physical right. touch in those right. early formative years after birth, exactly. even after birth, and it's right? detrimental. It is completely yes, because we were hardwired mm. to need that kind of physical affection. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Start clean with Clorox. 
Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. So what I write about the book is, obviously, Jesus could have just said, be healed, right. be healed, be healed. But that's not how he loves us, and that is not how we need to be loved only. Uh-huh. Like, obviously, in a sense, yes, he can speak the word because he is the one who speaks creation to being. He's not limited by anything, but because of his character, he chooses to touch us because that is the way that we, Mm. human beings made in his image, made with bodies that now reflect his own body in some fashion, that is the way people receive care. With our hands, we help and we wound, Mm. always, right? Mm -hmm. We can retreat from one another, we can incline ourselves to Mm -hmm. one another. Our bodies are always talking, right? Mm. You're sitting, you're nodding, you're giving me eye contact, you're giving me nonverbals. Those are all the ways. And so when, obviously, something physiological, chemical, neurological happens when I am touched, Mm -hmm. right? Obviously, there are places that are life-giving to touch, and Mm -hmm. there are places that are wrong, and there are are forms of uh, aggressive, violent Mm -hmm. touch, right, that can Mm -hmm. happen even in the church, as we know, right? And God have mercy, you know, on all of us in that, you know. But to the extent that Jesus is modeling for us a way of children, women, men, (laughs) <laughs> people in different kind of circumstances, mm-hmm. those who are the untouchables, the lepers, mm-hmm. the woman with the hemorrhaging. It's a way for him to model for us what we ought to be with one another. Mm. So just as an example, our church, uh, uh, maybe a couple years ago, our pastor said, hey, let's do something new. When we say the Lord's Prayer, which we say every Sunday, let's hold hands mm-hmm. with the person next to you. And guaranteed, of the people in that room are like, that's weird, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's just like, I don't know if I can do that, you know? What if they're guests Uh and what if it's this? And it's just like, say it out loud. It's going to be weird for a while. After a while, you're probably going to get used to it, right? Because all cultures eventually get used to something. But um, in as much as this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray every time that we might pray together, Holding hands is a way to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our trust. I mean, we're holding mm. the hands of the people with whom we are hoping all of this gets realized. Yeah. That, we, that the will of God shows up in you and me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something in the, the, the ways that God tangibly loves us and that then we are his body. Like mm. it's it's not just a metaphor. We really, by the Holy Spirit, are the body. We're the hands and the feet, the eyes and the ears, the head and the heart of Jesus. How else is it that all these beautiful human beings who are leaving the church, why is it they're leaving? Because in some sense they felt unloved, mm. uncared for, undrawn. Like I was thinking about that. I don't know, young woman, I mm-hmm. guess, um, who committed, you know, the shooting in that school in Nashville. Yeah. Like all the ways that she was not hospitably, mm-hmm. warmly loved by the body, mm. which is like, like there is, it's not just a figurative. It's like literally it's humans mm. 
who are supposed to be Jesus. And so our hands and our feet can do things. Yeah. And so when we lay hands upon one another, you know, in ministry or a prayer ministry for healing mm-hmm. or when we're sending somebody out or somebody's, you know, leaving our mm-hmm. community and we yeah. extend our hands, those yeah. are all the ways that are saying, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, I'll say this one more thing. Um, I was doing a lot of research on crying recently, like the science of crying, the history of crying, the psychology of crying. And one of the things that scientists and psychologists conclude is that um, that crying uh, does three things. It lubricates our eyeballs, so our eyeballs you know, can kind of keep you know, mm-hmm. rolling around. That protects us from infection. But the third reason, historically, biologically, is that they, they're a way to communicate in a very uh, acute, potent way pain to another and basically say, I need you. Wow. Um, and so what I was, I was preaching about this recently and I was kind of trying to make the point that when we cry, when we give ourselves permission to cry, which is often a permission that is not given to us when we gather and worship. And certainly men are the ones that struggle the most mm-hmm. with like, you know, because I feel weak. But crying is a visceral way of saying, I see you, I hear you, I'm with you. Mm. And so like one of the many ways that we can communicate that and good Lord, we need to know yeah. that the Lord is near us, mm-hmm. that you're near, we're, we're not abandoned, we're not yeah. alone and our bodies are talking. Okay, I'm gonna end. I know that you know this person because she endorsed your book, yes. uh, Lori Ferguson Wilbur. Oh, we love Lori. Yes. Well, the, you're, everything you're talking about makes me think of her book, Handled with Care. It's such a good book. Which is such a good book. And we I had a know. conversation on The Happy Eye, which I'll direct people to. But that book was so good because she really, the whole thing is about what you're just talking about, about how the healthy touch that yes. we are yearning right. and needing right. um, is often missing yeah. from our church congregations right. and our bodies um, of worship for lots of reasons. Right. But she really talks about how much that's needed. And mm-hmm. I am a, I don't struggle with touch. I'm a very physical, physical touch person. Like, I love, I love to be touched. Yes. I love to touch. Right. It's like a thing. I, right. I'm in it. I'm always right. like, anyone, rub me. Anybody, somebody <laughs> rub me. Um, but I really feel connected through that sure. as well. And right. obviously, we're not talking about intimacy, uh, physical intimacy here with a spouse. We're talking just like, lo- sure. like I just want to yes. hold your hand. Yes. Right. I'm a kisser, like yes. all the things. Yeah. Um, but I know that that's a big struggle for some people. And, and oh, we want to say it can't right. be without said because a lot of people have a lot of yeah. things that have caused that to be a problem that mm-hmm. are real and need to be addressed mm-hmm. and um, something worth talking about and noting and not right. dismissing. But I really appreciated um, her book on that. And it was it was talking about that. I want to um, skip to okay. people who are struggling with a disabled body. Mm-hmm. So some people like this is why I said coming into this conversation, like both of us, as much as I can tell, I don't know you are are um, able bodied people. Sure. Right. I, I got a, I got a hurt knee right now and a hurt back, but you know it's just a part of like I'm right, getting right. old. We're getting old. Um, although I did hurt my knee playing uh-huh. basketball on a trip at a um, our hotel had a basketball court in the hotel, which is right. kind of cool. I think that right. Aaron and I were on a trip and I got too big for my britches. And anyhow, but. We have a lot of people in our world who yeah. don't just hurt their knee playing basketball. Right. They're either born with a disability, right. they have a, a stroke, something that has ended in disability. And so there's a, a major part of our congregations that are probably missing mm. um, yeah. there. But what does it look like to live, like speak to those listeners who are living in a disabled body? It, it is, it is, It does not function yeah. the way that it should for a host of reasons it could be. Yeah. What does it look like for them to view their body as a way of praising God? That's my yeah, first question, right. and I'm sure you're going to get there. And then what do yeah. we do as a church, as a community, 
to make sure that we are giving space and yeah. and and voice and whatever might be for people who are not in an abled body. Um, my older sister Christine was in a near fatal car accident about five years ago, and she was standing by the side of the road helping her kids with a car. That Is this a down. sister in Christ or a sister in blood? Blood. I've heard I've heard about her story. <laughs> yes, because yeah, she's in Austin. Yeah, uh, I did not know you guys were related. Yes, yes, ma'am. So she was in the ICU for <clears throat> for five weeks, and her f- face was so shattered they had to reconstruct it. Some kind of titanium face, you know, that is behind it all. And um, this is five years ago, and I got together with her a few weeks ago, and her hearing is still partial um she can't smell she can't taste her her head got so Mm. smacked so crushed that her senses Mm. uh, were damaged and then she has you know sensory sensitivities Mm -hmm. you know like noises and lots of movement yeah and so it's hard for her and this is obviously you know her story to tell and she's told it elsewhere but it's hard for her sometimes to be in worship on Sunday morning for a certain amount of time, mm. or if the noise is a certain, you know, and she can't taste, you know, the oh, the, wow. the, the bread and and the wine yeah. that she takes, and um, and it's hard, yeah. and and it, it's hard for others who are in those kinds of, you know, other kinds of limitations. My uncle is, you know, midway through dementia. Mm-hmm. What does it mean for him to go to worship and not remember anything? Yeah, right. I talk about in the book two uh, two kids mm-hmm. in our church, part of a f- sweet, wonderful family, the Van Allens, and the, both her kids are cognitively um, disabled, intellectually disabled, and and I, I think that. Th- the thing that I try to do in this book is ask myself, not how can we have pity on them, mm-hmm. but what gifts do they offer us? And I think one of the gifts they offer us is to remind us that none of us is normal. Mm. None of us is omnicompetent. None of us is invincible. Um, every one of us at some point in our life will be disabled. Mm-hmm. If we live long enough, we will be yeah. completely disabled. It's what happens, mm-hmm. right? So what does it mean for us to worship out of vulnerability? and um, a recognition that we're all weak Mm. rather than pretending or hiding Mm. or suppressing these vulnerabilities and these weaknesses. Um, I I, I think one of the other things that, you know, those, it's a whole range of disabilities, right? It's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. But how can our worship be multisensory? How can it involve not just what we see and hear, but things that we smell and mm-hmm. things that we taste and things that we touch. How can our worship not just be intellectually, like just uh, an exchange of brains and cognitive, mm-hmm. like wordy kind of things, but how can our worship also tap into our emotions and affections? How can it tap into our imaginations mm-hmm. and our bodies and to like communally rich experiences rather than sort of these you know, monologues that take place from the person up front and me by myself. Mm. And I think, again, those with disabilities are are more keenly aware of how appropriately they're dependent mm. upon others mm-hmm. in order to thrive and yeah. survive. And mm-hmm. we have people that are 
immunocompromised in our congregation, they still have not come back yeah. from COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does it mean for them to worship together? And so t- digital technologies can be a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than like an unfortunate accommodation of some mm-hmm. sort. And yes, digital technologies like any technology, like any medium of art can let us down. But I think, you know, th- those are disabilities of one kind or another can just get us out of ourselves and, and you know, invite us to welcome our, all the good ways that God has made us needy mm-hmm. and weak and mm-hmm. broken and vulnerable and recognize that our whole bodies, all our senses, all our self is what God wants mm. um, when we, he, that's what he wants from us. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can offer one another as we sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, as we yeah. address and teach one another with psalms, hymns, you know, it's mm-hmm. that horizontal dimension. So I think those are some of the beautiful things that yeah. those with disabilities, unfortunately, many of our churches are just like ignorant, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it requires a lot of humility on the part of leaders and a le- church leadership to say, um, what can we do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously accessibility ramps are one thing, right? right? And those who are elderly, you mm-hmm. know? and So I don't know. I, for me, obviously there's a place for repentance and, and remorse, you know, for ways that we have failed mm-hmm. to be the body of mm-hmm. Christ, right, fully. Um, but on the other hand, like in humility, joyfully imagining new ways of being the body um, that that welcome mm-hmm. the gifts that those yeah. with a range of you know disabilities offer yeah. to us, and I mean I think in many ways you know, the books on disability you know disability and, and, and worship or disability in the Christian life, they all make a common point, which is Jesus Himself in many ways is is entering into the depths of disabilities in as much as he is rejected and mm-hmm. misunderstood and mm-hmm. marginalized and mm-hmm. those are the things that they also experience yeah. and then he comes out of the grave and rises to new life not with a photoshop body mm-hmm. his is a punctured yeah. uh, it's blemished mm-hmm. and so I, I think the good news there is that god will take all of our wounds and in our own resurrected bodies turn them into something beautiful God only knows how, mm. but what would it look like for us to live now in light of the end? Yeah. Not just to wait for that, but uh-huh. say, okay, let's recognize all of our woundedness, all mm-hmm. of our brokenness as sites for God's healing and beauty to be made manifest. And just looking forward too, as well as Absolutely. to what that's going to be. Yeah. You talk in at the end of the book, um, in the chapter, The Discipline of the Body, and this is where you go through mm. um, a lot of like kneeling and sure. standing, right. um, that sort of thing. And then you talk about the sign of the cross. <laughs> and I've already shown my cards. You know, you talk about hands yeah, sure, and sure, bowing sure, sure. Yeah, right, right. Um, and one of the bodies. And so I've shown yeah. my cards as to right. where I've grow in, grown sure. up in. And I would love for you just to like talk about that with me. Sure. Um, because I have ignorantly... Always just associate with that. That's what Catholic people do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, totally. and so yes. I, that's right, right. kind of a Catholic thing. Right. Like, I don't even know what that yes. means. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you're going to give me a little history lesson, which, I, <laughs> which I'm here for. That's why I love talking to you. Um, but talk to us about the sign right. of the, sure. the, the signing sign the, the cross. cross. Is it called yes. the sign of the cross? The sign or? of the cross. Got that, it. That would be the simplest. Okay. So I grew up in Guatemala. Not only was I conservative evangelical, which meant my body was supposed to do nothing and get out of the way. I grew up in a predominantly Catholic country. So therefore, not only was our body neutral, our job was to definitely not do 
what the Catholics did. Right. So because we are different. We are we're not Catholic. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely not Catholic. You know, they're all going to hell. <laughs> they're all bad. They're yeah. all super. I grew up. I grew up hearing that same same rhetoric as well right. um, in Texas. So right. Mm-hmm. And I grew up playing soccer. And so all my friends, when they score a goal, they cross themselves. Yeah. We watch soccer. They're crossing yes. themselves. Right. So it's all that's superstitious. That's hypocritical. That's that's you know we'll never do that. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the, the crazy thing is, it's amazing what happens when somebody just takes the time to offer just a little, like, insight. Yeah. You know, uh, like, that's why I first started raising my hands was because a youth pastor, my senior year of high school, um, took a moment in youth group to say, hey, did you realize the Bible talks about hands and, like, we can raise them to God? And yeah. this is why. And uh-huh. I was like, really? <laughs> Yeah. Nobody's ever said uh-huh. that before. Yeah. And so that was like the little kind of like my hands were slowly, you <laughs> yeah. know, over time. It's like this, a little bit. This, yeah. yeah. And then eventually they take flight away from your yeah. torso. Uh-huh. Right? That's the scary part. Right. And then when I was in seminary, um, I went to church and somebody for the first time explained. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how come nobody's ever explained that to me? And so kind of the long and short, it would be this. Christians, yeah, this is something we, we as you know, uh, evangelicals would be familiar with. Um, the 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 drawing of the fish in the sand, you know, like one person did one side and the other person the. It's like a physical sign, right? Mm-hmm. To say, oh, you're a Christian, I'm mm-hmm. a Christian, right? Um, okay, wait, time out. They would do that when they met each other. Yeah, yeah, kind of like when it was like in, in, in situations of like a persecution. This is our little secret. This is our little secret. Got it. Okay. I'm, just I'm one of you. Like a little. And then you, you finish know, it and you know, we're, and this, uh, we now know. Yeah, Got it. Know. Okay. So, um, uh, and so doing things with our bodies is what human beings do. Like, why do people in the military uh, put their hand in a, in a straight sort of plain uh-huh. posture and then they put it sort of at an angle to their forehead? I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of weird. Uh-huh. Like, what is it? Like, yeah. like, like, why not, like... I've not, never thought about like it, this? actually. Like, why not, like, a fist? Yeah. Or why not, like, yes? Or, uh-huh. why not, or Wakanda? <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever, uh-huh. right? And uh, when you get down to it, it like, I-, I was talking to gentlemen who were, you know, veterans, and I was asking them, just in a friendly, kind of persistent way, I was like, but why? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of what you do to show respect, but why does that show respect? Mm-hmm. Well, because, I don't know, it's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think you would be okay if nobody in the military ever did that with their hands? No. Yeah. Why? Because it's communicating with our bodies uh-huh. that we are deferring to your authority, that we are offering honor to you. Yeah. And one other guy was like, well, back in other kind of times, you would have knelt in the presence of the authority, oh, right? Because uh-huh. that's a way to say, I'm small and you're mm-hmm. big. So we're doing it all the time with our bodies, like when sometimes, not all the times, but when men propose. Mm-hmm. To a woman, they get down on one knee. They get down on one knee. Why do they get down on one knee? Like, you know, all these Mm -hmm. kinds of things that we do with our bodies, Mm -hmm. right? And again, it's not like, it's not when you go to your kid's play or a concert and at the end of it, you clap. That's like spontaneous, like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm feeling happy Uh in my heart, right? This is just kind of what you do. Yeah. The same thing happened with the sign of the cross. Christians were like, gosh, how can we make all of ourselves given over to Jesus? Like, nothing is going to get left over. Well, we believe in one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So can we show that? Can we just physically say, we love this God? So let's do that. So we're going to take our hands and we're going to say that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
You so, know, you went to your left. left. Is that right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So Father sends the Son to our heart, and the Holy Spirit binds us God. to the life of the yeah. Son. Right. We also are called to live a cruciform life. I, I uh-huh. you know, I, I, not I, but Christ. Yeah. Right. I, and, and so I am. I am tell, with my body. I'm saying I want to live my entire life in yeah. a cruciform fashion. Uh, I want to take up my cross. It's mm-hmm. not easy, but I trust mm. it, that God is with us. And so that's where the sign of the cross, basically it's like doing the Trinity. This is the God we believe. And then this is the life that we've been called to, yeah. the life of, of participation in the fellowship of his mm-hmm. sufferings and the power of his resurrection. So the sign of the cross is just a way to say, um, with my body, this is like what I love. Mm-hmm. And the same way when somebody kneels and says, will you marry me? My body is saying like, you know, uh, will you? And mm-hmm. I love you enough. Yeah, will yeah, you yeah. love me for the rest? Or when you're asking forgiveness and you have your hands yeah. open, yeah. it's not really your feelings. You're choosing to uh-huh. say like, I really need you to forgive me and my hands are here. And if I put my arms crossed or put them in my right. pocket, they're just saying something else. Mm-hmm. So the sign of the cross is just a way to say with my body what we do with our bodies in all other kind of circumstances. So once I heard that, I thought, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I want my body to be a part yeah. of, like, all of the life that God is, you know, wants for me. So then I tell my students, you know, can you cross yourself too much? Well, maybe. Like, anything can be abused. Anything, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can't be abused. Yeah. But why not just, like, say... I get to do this, yeah. right? Um, and at first it's going to be weird because everything new is weird. Yeah. Like there's nothing that like a new food, uh-huh. a new dance. Like yeah. I've never danced ballroom. It's kind of uh-huh. weird, right? A new yeah. way of like being in a church or in a small group or I've never prayed. Out li- I mean, there are a lot of people that come from like liturgical traditions. They've never prayed spontaneously yeah. in their life. Yeah. So they come to your church and like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. And you're like, just hang in there. Uh-huh. Try it. You uh-huh. live, you know, stomach. It's the same thing with the body. Yeah. David, I have never heard it explained. To me, it's just like, that's what Catholic people do. Yeah, right. But I'll tell you what I'm learning. The Mm. older I get, the less I know. (laughs) That is my truth. You know what I mean? That's the truth for me, yes. The older I get, the less things feel so black and white. Right. Now, I always say, like, I believe God's word to be fully true and black and white for sure. For sure. But I just, I'm like, the older I get, the more I can hold things a little bit looser Mm. and I, I'm not joking when I say this, but even sign the sign of the cross, right. it would feel so uncomfortable for me. But when you explained it to me, I was feeling like if I'm in a moment of feeling, Jesus, I want to take up my cross and follow you. Like mm. this is going to cost me something. Mm. It would almost be a moment that mm. I could just, like you just said, use my body to say, yes, yes the Father, the Son, yes. and the Holy Spirit. Be with be me. Be with me. That's right. And... <laughs> It's really beautiful. I think I'm become a crosser. <laughs> <laughs> you can try it on your own. And I'm gonna try it at church on Sunday. <laughs> listen, <laughs> Aaron's gonna be on stage and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Listen, I'm telling you, we got to start this." <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's like again, like as I say in the book, there's some things we're commanded. There's some things that we need to do. Like you take care of your body with what you put in and drink and health and you know all this because you need to like yeah, it's yeah. like we, we need to take yeah. care of our bodies and so there's some things that we get to do yeah um and those are it's like they all they're not like a here are the commanded things and here are the needed here they, they sometimes just kind of mm-hmm. overlap in yeah. kind of the same space yeah. but kind of the way i put it to a friend recently paraphrase or reworking jfk ask not what is the least that you can offer to god of your body ask how you might offer 
all of your body, mm. all of your heart, all of your mind, all of yourself. To yeah. God, and then see what God does. So good. And I think that this conversation is, I'm assuming it's not just me, but a conversation people are going to go, I just haven't ever thought about it this way. Mm. Like, we just, we, you know, we don't have time to get to this, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you is I'll set it up and then we won't get the answer from you because we don't have time. But, you know, we read a lot, especially in the New Testament with Paul talking about our bodies yeah. and flesh. Yes. And there's so much like the flesh is bad. Yes. My flesh desires right. bad. Right. All this stuff. And so right. if you spend, if you sit and think about that too long, you kind of go like, well, when is the body good? And sure. wait, isn't the body bad? Because like sure. the body is bad. Your flesh right. wants to do wrong. Right. So then even unpacking that. Yeah, is hard. I unpack that. He unpacks us. We're yeah. not going to talk about it. But but you know, like even when I was reading that in the book, I was just like, those are things I just haven't spent much time thinking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I wonder, David, if it's just that I haven't spent much time thinking about it because of the culture I live in, mm. because of the day and age it is that it hasn't ever been important, or I honestly found myself wondering, is it because I don't have to think about my body too much, mm. and so because I'm abled because I f- would have felt like sure. I go to a church that yeah. allows great physical expression. Sure. Right. But everything I've read, you kind of blew me out of the water of like, oh, you don't actually bring your whole body mm. into worshiping God mm. because of there's all, all these other things. So yeah, all that to say, thank you for writing this. Thank you, Jamie. It was so very, very good. Thank you. Another thing I thought while you were talking, have you read the book, The Body Keeps the Score? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so I, I can't believe I have it. Like it comes up. It's fine. It comes up all the time on shows. <laughs> I have it. I want right. to read it. That's I fine. believe it. Another book I read was by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Um, what happened to you or what mm. happened to me? Okay. Along the same concept. But even when I was thinking about the body keeps a score, I know yeah. the premise of it. It made me think of the opposite way with what I said earlier about the body is keeping remembrance of yeah. things, totally. good and bad. Right. And so even just it's like this whole conversation is just sparking so much in my head yeah. of how much the body does that we're unaware of even, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. This is what it comes down to, humility. It does come down to humility. It comes down to uncomfortable, willing to be uncomfortable. Sure, right. And it comes down to acknowledging, I'm telling you what all this comes down to as a (laughs) charge. From what you're saying, saying here's what I'm coming, humility, um, getting uncomfortable, and then also comes down to like willing to see your body as an agent of worship. That's it, that's it. You know? Yeah, that the body has a positive, active role. And, and like every therapist will tell you that. Right. That, like what you do with your body um, is going to form, yeah. shape you, misshape you. So if you were abused, mm-hmm. what does it mean for you to be healed by your body doing things? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's where art therapy comes in and dance therapy and music therapy. Yep. It's like the body is is part of the healing. You're not just like putting stuff into your brain. Yeah. Your body's like, okay, once again, I'm going to open out. Yep. But it takes therapy. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus uses the language of therapy when he heals people. And mm-hmm. our English translation says he saves them. But the Greek is therapeuo. He therapeutes mm. them. He's restoring them. And that therapy is, is going to be a process. Here's now. But then the, you know, the restoring to the community, the restoring to worship in the temple, that just takes time. And so I think if we understood that therapy is not, I mean, there's physical therapy, occupational therapy, all kinds of therapy, right? And then there's like the therapy for like the psychological stuff. But if we understood that God's, God's business of redemption is therapeutic mm. in the sense that he's mending us. Mm. He's putting all the pieces back together. 
and that our bodies are like fundamentally front row agents of that work. Mm. And yes, they let us down. Yes, they get misused and abused. And yes, we get scared. But is not the power of the Holy Spirit greater mm. than all the ways that our bodies betray us and the other's bodies betray us? Yeah. Isn't the love of Jesus more expansive? I mean, I could go on yeah. and on, but... Thank goodness he mends us. Amen. 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 David, it's always so great to talk to you. I always learn so much. Now I'm going to be crossing myself at church. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. I no, don't mean no. to be joking it's fine. No, it. no, it's fine. I think it's no, okay to be lighthearted about these things. If yeah, you take yeah. too seriously, then it gets weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to know what you're reading these days. Okay. I am – well, okay, I just finished reading this book on the history and science of crying and I have another book that I'm reading. Can I can I say something about that? Yes ma'am. You are you you're probably friends with Tish Harrison Warren. I am. Okay. She goes to my church. She goes to your church. She's coming on the happy hour. Oh good. I'm so excited. Oh good. Because I've read some of her books. Prayer in the night uh-huh, was yeah. the best book I read whatever year it came out. Oh yeah. So uh, good. Yeah, yeah. She has a part in there. If I would have known that you were gonna bring up the crying thing I would have been prepared with it. But she had a part in there <laughs> about um what if this gets me every time. What if we get and we stand before Jesus and how it says he will, you talk about this too, like mm. the physical act of wiping mm-hmm. away our tears, mm-hmm. that Jesus will wipe away our tears. And then she, oh, I wish I had it, but she talks about like this moment of what if we get before God and we get one final cry it all out, mm. let it all out. Mm. And, and she's a beautiful writer, so mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and done. Yeah. And then G- Jesus is, a, we allow mm. him to wipe away every mm-hmm. last tear and that touching of the faith. Yes. I mean, so good. Man, that's powerful. Anyhow, crying. Yeah. Yes, and amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are two things that I didn't have time to write about in the in this body book. One was tears in worship and laughter in worship. Oh. And so I'm reading a lot about okay. this. Because I think those – like a good cry and a good laugh are um, – some of the most unself-protective things that we do. Yeah. Like when you have a big boo-hoo, uh-huh. you're not like, it just you're letting yeah, it all yeah, out. Yeah. And when you have a big laugh, uh-huh. it's also, and yeah. I think those are such powerful I- images uh-huh. for what it means to be before uh-huh. God, like you're completely given over. Yeah. And then I'm reading, I'm actually rereading um, a couple novels that Anne Rice, she wrote a lot of the vampire movie or novels, Interview with the Vampire, uh-huh. you know, it became the movie. But she wrote two um, novels, kind of historical fiction, one looking at Jesus, um, like uh, you know, it's like in the, in the, in the Gospels, they they flee to to Egypt, right? In the in the Gospel of Matthew, and then the next thing you know, it's like he's a boy in the temple, temple. and then like you know, uh-huh. he's going to the wilderness. But she just explores kind of like those little years, uh-huh. you know, uh, yeah. as a kid. Historical fiction. Historical fiction. So oh, it's like that she does all the amazing. research, but yes. it's kind of like fictionalizing. For sure. You know, yeah. kind of magically kind of, uh-huh. you know, doing the narrative. Because Jesus just shows up. like He just the, shows Jesus, up. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Um, it, it's It's got a Catholic kind of like backbone uh-huh. to it because she's Catholic. But, you know, if you kind of like hold some of that lightly, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of fun. And then she does another one. Um, before Jesus actually goes to the wilderness and is baptized, well, uh, baptized, I'm sorry, baptized wilderness and then preaches, mm-hmm. he does. she does a story like right before then. Like okay. what was it like for him okay. before he's like public? Uh-huh. And she's kind of telling this, like the backstory to the wedding at Cana. Okay. That he knows people there. Okay. Um, and I don't know. It's just like, it just, it's the humanizing yep. of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. The chosen, you the know, chosen. kind of does that yeah. so well. And it just makes you love him more. Yeah. And I'm like, 
that's a good thing to feel. Yeah. So I'm reading that. That's what The Chosen does for so many people. Yeah, is you're I like, know. oh, wait, this is a person yeah. who's laughing with his friends and having all these conversations. It's so, so good. Um, I like the. I would enjoy that first one about him as a young child. Yes. I think I'm going to check that one out because even just in the past couple of years, some of the things I've read have just been such a good reminder yeah. of the life that Christ lived yeah. as a child, as a teenager. You know, right. he had all of these years that are, as Alicia Bricholi says, like anonymous years yes. that he didn't just show up at 30 and like, oh, who's this man that's been here? Right. You know, where'd he come from? That he had friends, that he yeah. had relationships, that he, he probably built things for people in the town. I mean, Totally. All these things that you're just like, oh, yeah, of course. And it changes the way you think about it. It does. You know, it's funny about Alicia. What? Is when I was at UT, she was a campus minister for um, Chi Alpha. I love her. And uh, and I was never a part of Chi Alpha, but my friends were a part of Chi Alpha. So I got to know her and her husband. And I think she's wonderful. She is so wonderful. She is so she's wonderful. been on the show and I'm reading her Lent <laughs> study right now. Yeah. And her book Anonymous was so, so good. Okay. Funny thing about Alicia um, I was with her in the fall at an uh -huh. event and uh -huh. she had told me she lived in Austin. I'm telling her everything. Uh -huh. And I'm like, where'd you? she said she lived in Southwest Austin. And I'm like, Oh, where were you? She's like, I don't remember, but the street was this it's in my neighborhood. Oh no way. She was living in my neighborhood. Oh my however gosh. many years ago that That's was. So Isn't that funny? funny? Um, David, thank you so much. Thank Great you. conversation. I'm thank so you. glad we were in person. I know me too. It wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> it would have just been like a weird, like let's talk about bodies, but we can't actually see each other. Um, so thank you for coming thank to the studio. Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey. Produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Edited by Angie Elkins. Show notes by Nikki Ogden. Art by Jen Jet Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham. And I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.